Um, let's talk some music stuff before before we get into the the actual content today. Let's talk some music stuff. Uh, has anybody been other outside of like today's content? Uh, anybody maybe revisiting an artist or listening to something? new that you'd like to share i know personally like me i've been on a huge uh ghost main kick again i've been yeah. going back through his catalog listening to a lot of ghost main lately you know some of that spooky metal inspired rap i've been just i don't know why it's just been hitting the spot Fuck yeah um uh, new yeah go ahead jake i haven't been listening to like old stuff like stuff that i've brought up but i've been listening to new stuff like uh Travis Scott's Utopia, like how was that? I've heard it's really good. From dude, it's so so. Here's the thing, like I don't listen to like like that trap hip hop a lot. I guess like I don't listen to uh, like Metro Boomin, Twenty One Savage, Gunna, like all those guys. I don't really listen to that type of type of rap. Um, and I really hadn't listened to a lot of Travis Scott. I heard some of it, like uh, Astro World and stuff. But uh, I heard Utopia because I'm like, all right, I'm gonna give it a listen, try to get into it. It's good, dude. It's definitely worth a listen. Um, it's very, it sounds very exper experimental. Um, just like I don't know for Travis. I don't know. Like I said, I don't listen to him, so I don't. I can't right. compare it to his other stuff. But this, it sounded very experimental. It sounded kind of like, and I was seeing some comparisons to Ye uh, to Jesus by Kanye, that it had that, really? like, same style. Because, like, Travis worked with Kanye in producing mm -hmm. that album. So, uh, and I think, like, there's a lot of producer credits and a lot of features on Utopia that are pretty nuts. Uh, one that caught my eye was uh, Guy Manuel from, uh, like, one half of, Daft Punk. He produced a song on Utopia. Uh, Hit Boy, Alchemist, Kanye, Pharrell. Like it's like a lot of big names on the album. And yeah, dude, it's definitely worth listening. It's it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Hell yeah, I love that. I love the sound of that. Matt, anything for you? A couple. There's a kind of dope back into David Byrne from the Talking Heads. He and Brian Eno did a couple albums together back in the early 80s. And they did one back in 2008 called Everything That Happens Will Happen Today. And I never, okay. really, listened to, I never really listened to it until this weekend. And it's it's decent. You know, Eno's in the background doing his thing and David Burns doing his vocals. And it's very good. Very Fuck good. Yeah. And then I found this trio. I think I texted you guys earlier about them. The, um, mm -hmm. the Delvin Lamar organ trio. Just three-piece guy on organ, guitar player, drummer, dude. I watched a live performance last night and they're just... It's just funky, mostly instrumental stuff, but really cool. Sure. Hearing it in Oregon in the, in the band is really cool. Yeah, especially yeah. in a three piece. It, when you have a three piece and one of them is an organ player, that's very interesting. I haven't gotten around to listening to either track that you sent me because I was doing other stuff and notes uh, this morning. But check it out. The reason why I kind of tried to shoehorn that conversation was there was a really funny moment, Matt, that you and I had. Uh, not the week we just had, but the week prior uh, to do some Terminator timelines for what you spin in. Matt and I obviously work literally six feet away from each other. Uh, and he was asking me a question and I walked over and was looking 
at his screen and we both had earbuds in. He's listening to music and I just hear him say, like under his breath, I don't wanna lose country. And I was like <laughs> and I didn't say anything, but I like laughed to myself in my head and then I sit back down and I'm like I really came in on a cyclo. And he's like, oh, you heard me? I was like, yeah, dude, I heard you. I was like, I know you're listening to Haram. (laughs) Some arm and hammer. (laughs) It was just so, it was just one of those like little pick up, you just pick up on what someone's barely saying under their breath. And I thought that was hilarious. I was like, man, I got to bring that up on the cast. That album's been in my rotation so much lately. I just, yeah, start to finish. Incredible, incredible album. I'm interested to hear the new one they got coming out too. I saw that that you sent that. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. I wonder. I wonder who will produce it, or if it'll just be kind of like you just mentioned with Utopia, Jake. I wonder if it'll just be a fucking hodgepodge of production. Of people, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah. Get some get some good shit going. But uh, love that. Uh, we're all listening to some really good stuff. Uh, I've been also kind of flirting with a little bit of a bluegrass kick, you know, listen to some steel drivers uh, and some stuff like that. Uh, But yeah, why don't we uh, go ahead and kick off episode 55 of What You Spinning? Welcome to another exciting edition of What You Spinning. As per usual, I'm your host, joined by my boys, Jacob and Matt, my co-hosts. I'm Dorian. We're going to go ahead and kick this bad boy off. We're going to travel back in time to what, like fucking 1968, right, Matt? (laughs) We are going back a little bit. Yeah, let's go back. What you got for us, man? Uh, We're going back to 1968, like Dorian said. Um, An artist that I don't think we brought up on the cast, uh, Jimi Hendrix. And we're going with Electric Ladyland. Um, love the outfit there, Jimmy. Looking good. Uh, 16 songs, a little over an hour. Um, and one of the last albums he did before he died. Uh, my favorite album from his collection, personally, it's just, I remember in high school when I first heard it, um, especially the track, 1983. Uh, you know, first getting into, you know, smoking pot and just kind of chilling with music. And that song, man, it was a 13 minute track. It's just epic proportions. The guitar work on that song is incredible. And I just remember sitting in cars and playing that tune with friends and just not saying a word and just, you know, Here asking in the, in, the, in the music, in the music, you know. I, so uh, one of my favorite albums, like I said, um, it's yeah. sad that you didn't do anything else after this. Um, Mm-hmm. He was very much a perfectionist in the studio, especially on this album. And I know they did a lot of takes for uh, different tracks. And, you know, you can hear it on the album, how much he put into that and how much he cares about his crafts. And it's it's sad that we didn't get more Jimi Hendrix, but what we got was incredible. Um, and he's definitely a religion. He started his own religion. Not many people know about that, called the Electric Church. I don't know a lot of details about it. Uh, sounds kind of kooky. But, you know, Jimi Hendrix was gifted, so a lot of the things he said were intelligent, and I'm sure that he had some sort of uh, some sort of meaning behind what he was trying to preach. So, anyways, let's dive into oh, it. Yeah. What would you guys think? I, uh... Sorry, go ahead, Jake. No, you go ahead. Uh, this 
is my second favorite Hendrix album. Only because, and it's really because of uh, If Six Was Nine off of Axis Bold as Love, uh, which mm-hmm. makes that my favorite album. I just love that track specifically. But uh, Jesus Christ, dude. Electric Ladyland. I mean, where do you even begin? Just you, if you want to see why Jimi Hendrix was Jimi Hendrix, you listen to this album. There's just such insane guitar work. I read a book about Jimi Hendrix in high school that kind of gave me a lot of insight to this album and listening to it. And then I was reading through because I was like, oh, I wonder how the Wikipedia article for this album in particular, I kind of went off the books as far as I operate with the podcast was like, how does it compare to what I read from the book? Because I remembered a lot of it. And Noel Redding, the bassist, was uh, had started the band Fat Mattress at the time and didn't have a lot of time to be, you know, backing up Jimmy. And so Jimi Hendrix actually did a lot of the bass work on this album as well, which I thought, you know, yeah. it kind of that I got reminded of. I was like, oh, shit, like that's damn impressive because there is, you know, Jimi Hendrix is Hendrix, right? Like his guitar playing is fucking insane. One of the, in my opinion, top three guitarists of all time. Yeah. Uh but the fact that he's like, let me back up my own work with just as impressive bass work. Uh, and Matt, I know that you picked him specifically because you're both left-handed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah. No, I'm one, not, I'm one just, of the few guitar heroes I have. I'm not really a Beatles fan, so I'm not going to throw Paul McCartney out there. Um, <laughs> and I can't. I can think maybe of a handful of other left-handed players, but yeah, definitely one of my yeah. favorites. No, I that was I was just fucking with you, but. Uh, <laughs> The, the cool thing, of, like, just to touch on that, the the cool thing about Hendrix was, Matt, as I'm sure you know, because you just recently bought a left-handed acoustic, is for some reason, guitar manufacturers and, like, Guitar Center and music stores hate people that are left-handed and can't play guitar right-handed, so they're more expensive. Hendrix got gifted a uh, right-hand-oriented Fender Stratocaster and just strung it upside down which is completely unorthodox because guitars are made a certain way for the strings to go through, you know, and everything. And so like, Jesus dude, like you from the beginning of this album, you know, when the gods made love into everything else, it's just, it's a journey. I love this album. Great pick dude. Yeah. It was about time that we brought up Jamie, man. Mm -hmm. It really was. Cause I, I, I've been sitting on this album too. Uh, I own it. It's one of my favorite spins as well. Just if I want to hear something raw, something super guitar heavy, um, definitely this album. And Jimi Hendrix, man, like for sure one of the best, one of the greatest of all time. Um, I think it's it's really hard to pinpoint, you know, who is the best, but he's definitely there. He's in the conversation. Uh, just because at the time, like it was so different. Like he ruled like when he like the time that he was alive and he was performing and making music and putting out albums like he ran the show like for all those years uh, like it was all Jimi Hendrix and even afterwards like we're like you know people are still talking about him and bringing him up and how he's one of the best the greatest guitar players of all time and this album bro you can hear it like all throughout um all throughout it's fucking nuts dude and it's it's funny because yesterday, um, like when I was moving, uh, my dad helped me out for a little bit, and like on the drive here, 
uh, I was playing this album, and he like caught on right away. He's like, "Hey, that's Jimi Hendrix." Right? I was like, "Yeah." I was like, "That's fucking dope that you know." <laughs> like that, but like everyone, if you hear this, if you hear like just a crazy guitar and like you hear his voice and everything, you recognize it right away. You 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 know you know he's one of the best. And in this album in particular has a very it has like a very bluesy almost jam band kind of feel not so much as you know like you know grateful dead or fish you know is like because those are like the biggest jam bands but voodoo child the the 15 minute long one and then as you mentioned matt like 1983 it just these songs just go all over the place and he has these just impressive his bends on the strings are just like you just hear that it's like dude just calm down like you're doing too much like it's yes yeah. insane and then that partnered with the fact that he's actually a very in my opinion a very good singer you know we talk a lot about uh you know when we talk hip-hop oh the producer knew who they were producing for everything mm-hmm. and it's very rare it's even more rare that you get a guitar player as prolific as Jimi hendrix who also has just an iconic voice you know it's just they just go together like peanut butter and jelly for lack of a better comparison it's i love that and then mitch mitchell uh was one of the artists or one of the guys that got me into drumming back in the day i'll let you know we'll talk about the other one of the other guys later on in the episode but i was super as i mentioned when i got into drumming and you know was playing music i was very into hendrix and i was like i can't play any of his songs worth a fuck on the guitar uh but mitch mitchell like dude i was like i feel like he gets kind of swept under the rug like just the his whole band that he had behind him also was just incredible very much so um back when i first started playing guitar going back to your story about left-handed guitars and guitar center and all that bullshit, which i bought a few from guitar center never in stock you have to order them and wait anyways uh my dad <laughs> my dad played guitar for a little while when he was alive and it was he was a right-handed player and I asked him if I could borrow his guitar. Um, and I tried to play it right-handed. And I'm like, fuck this. So I took the strings off and strung it up left-handed. Um, and that's how I learned to play. And it was weird having the high E or the low E in that that fret because it, it doesn't fit. The string doesn't fit. So it somehow worked. I got it to play pretty, pretty steady and actually perform with a friend when I got a little bit better. So I made it work. And then eventually got my own left-handed right. guitar. But just to kind of touch on that, you know, we do what we got to do sometimes. Um, yeah. Sick. You were you were uh, Matt Hendrix, dude. I know. I didn't, this Matt is before Hendrix I listened to Jimi Hendrix too. And Lefties to are him, built different. Right back to his guitar playing. I mean, he was so impressive that when uh, going back to the Beatles, when Paul McCartney and John Lennon saw him perform, he did a cover. He opened with Sgt. Pepper's, and they were like, "What the fuck? That song is ten times better than what you know the version that you did is way better." So to come on stage because he knew they were on. They he knew they were in the audience, so he went out there and just blew them away. So. To come out and have that kind of presence right away for one of the biggest bands in the world and you're just like oh let me let me try playing your song and just killing it you know what a what a feeling of accomplishment for him and for the world to see that gift was pretty cool pretty cool my teacher when i did play guitar for a little while he taught me a hendrix riff that he used a lot um it's very simple um it's kind of an arpeggio but you can definitely you can hear it sometimes when I play it. And you're like, oh, that's Hendrix a little bit. So he definitely had his own little unique style. Very well, and I mean, so this was also 
as we mentioned, this was like 1968. So, it like music was the Beatles, you know, like rock music was the Beatles. Zeppelin hadn't really exploded yet. Uh, so he was really paving the way for what would end up becoming, you know, fuck, like the Tosin Abbasis of today, the Joe Satriani's, the Van Halen's. Like, all of those guys, you can see, like, if there was a family tree of guitar playing, there are things with any of these modern-day guitarists or uh, guitarists from the 80s that lead right back to Hendrix. Because no one was doing anything. You know, like, this motherfucker had one of the best renditions of Star Spangled Banner at Woodstock 69 and ended the show by lighting his guitar on fire. Like... Just bananas. Like, the guy was unreal. Also, shout out, he's from the Pacific Northwest. Hendrix was born in Seattle. So Mm -hmm. there's another thing we got going for us up here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, But just unreal, you know. And, man, I just, I'm baffled, you know. Listening to this Mm -hmm. for the past three weeks uh, has been just such a treat, you know. And it even made me go back and listen to... Uh, are you experienced uh, access bold as love you know there's just he's just insane dude and you and it really makes you think about the time that he came from and you're like oh jimmy page wasn't it wasn't shit yet you know like stairway to heaven hadn't come out you know all of those albums and it was like jimmy was it he was at the time the best guitar player walking the fucking planet yep and so i'm I'm just so happy that you brought it up, dude. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah. And he was a little bit insecure about his own vocal. You know, I read a little bit back, back about, especially on this album, he was never 100% sure of himself on that end. Um, but like when he starts off with, uh, have you ever been to Electric Ladyland? That soft uh, tone. I mean, it's just, it's classic Hendrix. And when you hear that, you're like, dude, you can sing. You need to just relax. You got, you got your tone. You're all right. Yeah, and he, like I said, he's always a perfectionist, and he actually produced this album himself. So, I think that's what it was. Since he was such a perfectionist, he wanted to live up to, he wanted his voice to live up to what he did in guitar, mm-hmm. which that was never going to happen. Like his guitar work is insanely way better than his vocals, and mm-hmm. I think he tried to match that. But yeah, man, like it, the effects that he was doing on guitar at the time, mm-hmm. like unheard of. Like in that era, for what he was doing, the effects, how he was playing, like you can't really match that. And you can't put that with anyone else in that time zone that was playing like him. Like he ruled the late 60s. Like that was him. That was all him. That was all his time zone. So, uh, yeah, it's nuts on this album. You hear it a lot. Um, Come on, let them good times roll. It has crazy guitar licks and the, the solos on it. It's fucking nuts. Uh, Voodoo Child, the the 15 minute version, the longer one is yeah. my favorite. Just because you, it, it really just kind of sounds like they're just free playing. Like they're just in a studio, all just kind of playing, um, and it's not really like as strict on you know who goes when. Like everyone's just kind of flowing. For like 15 minutes um and they do that with um the 1983 song also that one's like 13 minutes long um but yeah man everything about this everything about jimmy 
um you know it's it's about time that we brought him up i feel like definitely because yeah i was sitting on it matt thank you for bringing it up i know dorian yes. would have brought it up at some point so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and i mean just to touch you know you kind of opened the segue for us to actually talk about the album we've just been sucking a dead dude's dick for the past 10 minutes um which i'm down to do for another hour i could go on and on about hendrix but you brought it up the effects on this on uh little miss strange there's that really sweet acoustic guitar intro and then it just boom launches into this heavy fuzz effect on the guitar just like just the shit that he was doing you know he'll be playing and then he'll just activate like he was like the pioneer of using effects really if we want to if we want to cut it down to brass tacks whether it was just the whammy bar which is built into a guitar or you know effects pedals which there wasn't really a lot of at the time like you couldn't at the time you couldn't just go to guitar center and get an ibanez tube screamer distortion pedal for fucking 30 bucks like you can now (laughs) so the fact that this album is just riddled with insane effects like there's wah pedal effects which is an insane technology for back in the 60s like and he was just a master of his craft and you know you hear it throughout especially you know we just keep referencing the same couple of songs but voodoo child slight return is one of in my top three favorite hendrix songs that opening you know like it's just got that wah that wah pedal effect throughout the whole time and then that song in particular i wanted to touch on and so i'll do it right now is he's like his vocal delivery is so confident he's like i'm standing next to a mountain and i'll chop it down with the edge of my hand it's like oh dude it like makes you it makes you just stank face like a good rap bar you're just like jesus jimmy like you're playing this insane guitar part and then you're saying shit like that it's like all right dude calm down they go they go (laughs) hand in hand that lyric and that that riff that's a classic hendrix riff like you hear that and you're like yep that's hendrix and you you know to back it up with the lyrics that he has on that song it's just what a gift yeah they like the cult following that he had too um still to this day like people still worship him i I did not know that that he had that he made like his own religion or whatever but that would make sense because people literally idolize him like for being the 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 greatest guitar player of all time and so that's kind of bizarre i didn't know that fact but that's cool um but yeah man this this album uh definitely i like the album cover and they had like alternate covers and stuff too they did they did um, for like europe and everything which was pretty neat way better album covers too the one they picked for the release here in the states was lame you know just wasn't the european was it so back to reference the book i read was it the european release like the actual cover or was it like the liner like the opening of the lp there was one there was a release that just had a bunch of chicks laying out like topless and so the you like open up the album and it was just tits like, it was just it was just naked chicks <laughs> yeah I, I think that was like the inside of the like the actual uh gatefold but i think there was an alternate cover uh where it's like his hand pointing out something or something like that yeah I, I, yeah. yeah i'll have to i'll look for that and plug it there's a couple right yeah That'd I'll, be awesome. I'll plug some of the alternate covers but yeah i remember there was one where 
like it was they had to censor a certain version of it in the states because it was like they changed the cover but then it was still like you open up the liner and it was just like a it was like a playboy centerfold of just like 15 <laughs> 15 women just laying out topless you know nips hanging out it's like jesus christ mm-hmm. Jimmy. <laughs> 1968 that's pretty bold for sure yeah ex- yeah. <laughs> exactly uh but shit man uh let's let's talk some more about this one thing that i liked uh about this was kind of the callbacks to other to as you go through the album as you get toward the bottom there's callbacks to tracks that had happened previously you know still raining still dreaming is a callback to rainy day dream away and it's much more intense and so mm-hmm. Uh, that was something that I really picked up on. I was like, "Ooh, I like Rainy Day, Dream Away," and then you hear "Still Rain" and "Still Dreaming," and it's just just him going nuts. I was like, "All right, dude!" Like the yeah, even back then, like the album layout and calling like the callbacks and everything was kind of rare, you know, because people were just putting stuff out because the radio had just been invented or whatever the fuck, you know. It was like we were. We were communicating by cave paintings up until 1950, like, you know, so uh, people were just making shit for the radio. And so to have an album like that, that it's like, hey, you've got a record player or whatever. If you can listen to this full album, you're going to appreciate it because there's stuff at the bottom that calls back to stuff up top, you know, with, as I said, still dreaming and then Voodoo Child back to Voodoo Child, you know, just it's a very and it goes back to what we were saying about uh, Hendrix being such a perfectionist was he, he knew what the fuck he was doing. You know, like it was a very, this album was very thought out from the, from the music on it to the layout and the packaging and everything. There was just, you can tell that he was a very like ethereal thought out dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He definitely thought of like the track listing and where to put it. And I think he laid it out pretty well. Like it, it, it's it's a pretty perfect layout of when it starts, the lead up, the middle, the break, and then just the ending. Like that fact that it ends on that Voodoo Child, um, the like the remix or whatever. The like that is an insane ending. That is a nuts ending. And then same thing with it having the Watchtower like right in front of it. Um, which is also like so many iconic staples, uh, not only in Jimmy Jimi Hendrix's catalog, but just in rock in general, like in rock music, are on this album itself. So, and uh, speaking of all along the Watchtower, this is a point I wanted to make uh, after listening to it today and doing my notes. Matt, you and I have made this point all the time. Bob Dylan is a much better songwriter than he is. A, a performer 100 percent. Yep. it leaps and bounds jimmy's version of all along the watchtower blows his out of the water u2's cover of all along the watchtower is actually fucking sick mm. i love that uh and so you know like hendrix's last studio album one of his best albums has a cover of jimmy uh, of bob dylan that goes on to be the most well-known version of it you know you know so that was just cemented my point which is hilarious i don't know if my friend christy watches the show anymore but 
one of my friends is a huge Bob Dylan fan, and I would always tell her, I was like, he write he could just write music for other people. Like if ghost writing was a thing back in the day, he could have just written He'd songs. Be it. Yeah. Because <laughs> then you know, just to compound on the point, he did knocking on heaven's door. Sucks. Guns and Roses did it. Rocks. Like <laughs> you know. Uh, but no, yeah, so you get that badass cover of All Along the Watchtower right into Voodoo Child Slight Return. It's like, all right, dude, like you're really putting a bow on this fucking album, you know? It's just unreal. And I just, I'll say it, I'll say it one more time. His bends, like his string bends on everything, the is just, he just throws them in wherever and you can just tell what that studio environment was like. Just unreal. Yeah, I don't, I think it's gonna be real hard for anyone to top what he did and the success he had and um like yeah he was definitely one of a kind and um like we it, who knows if we'll ever ever see something like that like someone so talented as he was so um yeah it's fucking awesome that the music that he did come out and is being released and that he did release and you know made albums for that are still to this day, you know, such a staple in, in music all over the world. So it's fucking badass. Oh, yeah. Do we have any uh, closing arguments, closing thoughts? Matt, this is your this is your album to dictate. Do you have anything left? Not really. Not really. I think I brought up a lot of cool things about the album. I know he had a lot of guest yeah. musicians in there. Steve Winwood from the 80s kind of era was on Just keyboards insane. for uh, that voodoo Which child. Nice. Yeah live version and you can kind of hear Jimi hendrix directing him on how to do a part during the song i don't know if you guys picked up on that kind of hidden but he's talking to steve winwood like kind of showing him or telling him what to play kind of you have to go back and hear it but um, i will positions and that that song i think they were out somewhere and they just said hey let's go back to the studio and they just went back and just did it impromptu um i'm not sure how many takes they did that might have been a one take session but if it was holy cow like Like the 15 minute version of yeah that what yeah damn Damn. okay well i guess at that rate (laughs) i guess at that rate let's do some top threes let's do it yeah start off kick us off big boy uh honorable mention gonna be kind of the title track have you ever been to electric ladyland number three little miss strange uh number two voodoo child the live the, the long version and then my top track, like I said at the beginning of my introduction, is 1983, A Merman I Should Turn to Be. Hell yeah. yeah. Jake, you want to go or you want me to? I'll go. Yeah, I hadn't heard of that 1983 song uh, until you had brought it up like two or three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fucking awesome. Uh, definitely on mention for me. Um, love that song. Uh, top three, uh, I'm going to go... Uh, come on, let the good times roll. Um, kind of a two-parter, but I'll just say the second part. Uh, uh, still raining, still dreaming. I love that it's a continuation to rainy day, dream away. And yeah, Dorian, it's like a lot more, uh, a lot more in your face than the first one. Uh, and then favorite song for sure, uh, Voodoo Chile, Voodoo Child, <laughs> the the long version, the 15-minute one fucking badass um every time i come back to it i'll play front to back and maybe even do it again dude like it's it's worth it it's worth the 30 minutes it's worth the 15 minutes so absolutely absolutely 
I think I'm going to be the sore thumb here. Honorable mentions for me, Long Hot Summer Night. Uh, just his vocal. Where were you on that hot, cold summer? Like, just that. Uh, and then 1983, A Merman I Shall Become. That just very, you know, just all over the place. But it's so cohesive and everything. Love that track. Uh, number three for me, Gypsy Eyes. Really resonated with me. Number two, Still Raining, Still Dreaming. And the number one, as I said, it's in my top three Hendrix tracks is Voodoo Child Slight Return, the shorter version. As much as I love, you know, the long version, just that opening and then the, like I said, chop it down with the edge of my hand, doesn't get much better than that. And I actually just recently, like before we hopped on, watched us introduce the picks for this episode. And I said that I was listening to this album that morning and it was like that song and like one other i can't remember which one specifically but i like was taking a shower and listening to slight return so shout out jimmy hendrix shout out jimmy hendrix man r.i.p obviously part of the 27 club uh which we actually haven't dove there's there is a lot of people in the 27 club that we haven't really dove into you know i know matt you're probably it's like a race between you and me bringing up the doors yeah. you know i'm it, probably you and i waiting to bring up nirvana you know whatever uh but shout out hendrix uh changed the game for guitar playing uh i'm very appreciative of him he's he's one of my musical heroes uh but we're gonna go ahead take a quick little siesta break and then we're gonna kick it over to jacob it's what you spend in episode 55 Got two kids and my baby mama late. <laughs> what song is that? The food. The food. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So good. Dude, I'm going to get into that. But there, Dave Chappelle, the Chappelle show, dude. Mm-hmm. It had, it had so many good artists. Like, he, Dave. It was like Arsenio. So many- like Dave Chappelle and the are like the Chappelle show and the Arsenio Hall show, dude, just had the best musical guests. Yeah. He had a quest love on like all the time. Right. And dude, you wanna let's talk quest let's talk about this for just a second. Quest How love. wild is it that the roots is Jimmy Fallon's backing band? Yeah. They've like, been for a while. Forever. And it's like, I don't think, I don't think all of these, like, you know, Midwest white moms realize how badass the roots are. <laughs> like, yeah. the roots kicks ass, dude. And, and Jimmy Fallon went from SNL to having his own show. And he's like, you know what? Let me get Questlove in the roots. As I mean, my one, yeah, one of the fucking most powerful bands. My fucking because they were yeah. that's the thing is it's like they weren't a rap group, you know, they weren't like Tribe Called Quest, they weren't De La Soul, they were a rap band. It's mm-hmm. like that's a what's the fucking album called? I want to get it and bring it up, but uh, they have a really good album, they have the, a couple. The blue one, are you talking about the blue one? No, not Do You Want More? Uh, How I Got Over is my favorite one by them. 
Yeah. Yeah, that one, the blue one. Kind of blue. No. I think the actual like vinyl is like bluish. Do oh, that one was too. No, no, I'm thinking of. Is is there an echo in this room? No. Okay. Oh, I got over it. Looks a little blue. Eh, it's kind of like grayish. Yeah. yeah. My old youth, my old youth pastor showed me the roots. And Raphael Shadik, actually. Damn. Which, speaking of Raphael, I'm pissed I haven't seen uh, his album that they redid for Record Store Day. I haven't seen it in shop. The Come Up or whatever. What's that album called? Or The Way I See It. Yeah, the way I see it, it's fucking phenomenal. Yeah, I was about to say, if you haven't listened to it, listen to it, but you have. <laughs> you're gonna like you're gonna like my pick for next week. Yeah? I gar I guarantee it. Oh uh, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. It's not scary. It's not scary music, don't worry. Okay, good. Cause I you scared me these last four weeks. I was scared. Sorry, we had some technical difficulties with the pressure washer. Oh, no, you're good. It's not starting. You, Jake, you told me at Sid's wedding that you were digging this out, my album, so don't even I start. I was, I was, but it was scary at some points, dude. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> the the intro is, yeah, the intro will frighten you. People like wall shot. I was, say, I was pointed out to Jacob, but do you see what I got hanging up behind me, Matt? I do. Self-titled. Hell yeah. And then underneath underneath our merch. Got a slipknot t-shirt on. Thanks. Yeah. But uh Alright, yeah. Okay. We just wrapped up talking about one of the greatest albums of all time, one of the greatest musicians of all time, with uh, Electric Ladyland by Jimi Hendrix, which was Matt's pick for this week. Uh, at this point, we're going to hacky sack kick it over to Jacob for him to introduce his pick for this week, which I know I'm excited to talk about. And I'm sure everybody else is just as much as we were to talk about Hendrix. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and let the people know what you're bringing to the table? Yeah, so I brought up uh, Commons... B um, came out in 05, um, his sixth studio album. Um, definitely, I feel like probably his biggest album. Um, not only in, as far as success goes, um, but uh, just like the impact it had for him and also for hip hop and uh, like Chicago, uh, I feel like. But um, yeah, definitely my favorite album of his um it impacted me a lot when i was growing up um i got a pretty funny story of how i came across it uh but yeah what are your guys' thoughts i want to get into your guys' thoughts first see what you see what you guys pick your brains a little bit see what y'all thought about it 
For sure. This is my first introduction for Common. Uh, I'd heard of him before. I never dove into any of his catalog. So I think for me, this is a good starting point. I think a lot of people, critics alike, consider this is like his comeback or his masterpiece album kind of put him back on the map. Um, and it's got a very soulful feel, you know. He's got that Marvin Gaye vibe in a rap sense, kind of that hip hop of Marvin Gaye. Um, I loved it. You know, it's got some great features. You got Kanye on there. Um, start to finish, it didn't have any bad tracks, honestly. They say, you know, that's such a catchy tune. Um, for me, the top threes were tough because I liked all the tracks on this. So great introduction for me. I'm going to try to find some other albums if I were to dive into them. You guys have any recommendations? Uh, like Water for Chocolate. Um, okay. That, that, yeah, that that's the only one that i that comes to mind for me this was kind of a reintroduction to common for me it's been probably a decade since i since i dove into him and this was this was a reintroduction to this album for me but yeah like uh what was it like water like chocolate or whatever yeah, yeah. like water for chocolate is i think his like other mm-hmm. like really good album but no, this, this is, is like sixth album too he, he did six albums before this or fifth five albums before this that's insane yeah, five albums before this it's crazy yeah, yes. he's he's like he's like an old school rapper. Like he's been doing it since the nineties, right? Hanging yeah. out with Badu and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll jump into it before Jacob gets a chance to, uh, because we're both nerds about this. Yeah, but holy fuck, dude! <laughs> the production on this. You want to mm-hmm. talk about like a like comments from Chicago, right, Jake? Like, mm-hmm. remind me. Like, so you get. I think him, so. Yeah. Pairing yes. up with Chicago's best producer at the time, Kanye West, and who else features on it but Jay Motherfucking yeah. Dilla, producing. Facts. Those two combined on this album, like not trying to disparage, you know, Common at all. There's great lyricism. The this album kicks ass, but Jesus Christ, dude, the production on it is insane, mm-hmm. like top to bottom. It doesn't miss like there's some i'll get into it a little bit here but there's some samples of stuff that was used on this that was then sampled again for other albums that or for at least one other album that we've talked about on this podcast um but yeah dude kanye west and jay dilla 05 which was shortly before you know like a couple years or whatever before jay dilla passed away like Jesus Christ, dude. It's just unreal. And then Common's, like, poetic delivery and lyricism and everything. He, the thing in, like, Common is, like, a very, you know, intellectual kind of rapper. You know, he almost has, like, a very minimal, slight, like, Saul Williams vibe, you know, to where it's, like, his delivery is very, like it's like it's a poetic cadence is what i'm trying to say you know he's got a cadence of a poet which really resonates and then that paired with the monster you know production of the two-headed dog of kanye and jay dilla is just unmatched Um, like such a strong pick jake this is out of this world yeah dude to to go back to the production on it uh this is like Kanye some of my favorite beats from Kanye and um like this is Kanye in his like still in very much so in his prime like he's you know just did graduation he just did college dropout all those that three run album 
This is before graduation. Is it? It's before. It was before, yeah. Graduation yeah. was oh seven. So, so even this was. Yeah, before, this was even yeah, before you're right, you're right. Kanye broke rap music. He was producing for one of the you're biggest right. rappers, like common as as much as he is like an old head, like you know hadn't you know whatever didn't really get much recognition. He produces on what turns out to be Common's biggest masterpiece, and then two mm-hmm. years later, goes out and kills gangster rap. Yeah, unreal. This is this is when like Kanye was was still very much like leading up to his prime and had an insane run with everything that he touched, everything that he did was, you know, was amazing. Um, and you know he, it goes without saying, like he had a big, huge part in this album. Like not only production, but also him featuring him, you know, doing backing vocals and even doing some verses. Um, as much as nowadays, my opinion on him is a little wonky. I feel like for most people, um, I, I can't discredit him artistically. Like him doing this album um, without it, I don't think this would be as good as as good as it was. Um, so and that goes to say without dilla as well because dilla you know he only did two songs on this but uh, they are some of my favorites and it's and also really good but uh to get into it how i discovered this album uh i was in high school i was like a freshman or sophomore and it's like summertime and i needed to get a haircut and typically either at this point in time uh my dad was cutting my hair or we would go to the like, Edgar haircut. Facts. It was not the Edgar haircut because I was like a simpleton and I'd just go like <laughs> I simpleton. Just, yeah, I'd I'd just get like I'd get a buzz cut, like all just one length, like just hit me with like a two and fuck my shit up. Yeah, like it was bad. Uh, and that's why my dad did it, because it was, you know, it was easy and you know, we didn't we didn't have to spend money. Uh, but I was like, I want to get a haircut. It's summertime. Let me go get a haircut. Um, and I walked down Barger to Barger Barbershops. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's still there. Uh, shout out. Uh, shout out Gabriel and Julio. That I think Gabriel still works there. Julio doesn't work there anymore. And Marcus. Um, shout out. Uh, but that, that barbershop's cool. But I went in there. As a walk-in, I'm like, hey, can you know, can I get a haircut? And they're like, oh, you know, uh, just give me like 30 minutes and I'll sit you down. I'm like, all right, cool. I'll just wait there. Like, you know, I'm a kid. I don't have, I don't have a car. I just walk there. I'll just wait there. Um, and they're always playing music there. So, um, like the bar, like the barbers are talking to each other and like, what should we bring? Like, what should we play for music? And then they're like, oh, let's play some Common. And I'm like, okay, I've heard of Common. I haven't heard any of his music though. Um, and then they just they played this album and I just heard the intro, like that bass, like do 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 and I was like, What the fuck? What is this? And then it got into it more and I was like, damn, dude, like this is fucking fire. Uh, and then I ha- like I asked them for their Wi-Fi password and then just downloaded the whole album and like just listened to it on my iPod like for god knows how long, like ungodly amount of time put into this album. Uh, but yeah, that's how I discovered it. Since then, I've been a huge fan. Um, yeah, man, Common, he does his thing on the mic. He's uh, he's definitely one of the more gifted rappers, I feel like, out of Chicago. Um, but that goes without saying, like, 
Detroit and all that. Like they have, they've always had crazy rappers coming out of there. So it's fucking nuts. And that live of... version, that live version too, was it the food? The food with Kanye that was on Dave Chappelle's show, I think, at one point. Um, yeah, that's a cool track too, especially for a live track. You just you can hear it their their energy is amazing. Their vocals are on point. They're just going back and forth. It's so good. Got two kids and my baby mama late, <laughs> dude. Mm-hmm. It's it's phenomenal, top to bottom. You know, and to just touch on the point that you kind of just made, Jake is you know we've covered a lot of music from the west coast the east coast you know hip-hop you know from either side of the country and you know a little bit of smattering between both coasts uh coasts with isaiah rashad earth gang uh fucking uh brother lynch you know it's some stuff in the middle but you you make a solid point you know we've already covered kanye uh with graduation but like Chicago and Detroit had this very weird, not not necessarily weird, but a very interesting to look at kind of renaissance with hip hop in the early 2000s, like from 2000 to 2010, you know, with Common yeah. and, you know, Kanye coming out, Eminem coming out Eminem, of Detroit, you know, just Royce the Five Nine, like, yeah, a whole bunch of people. Whole yeah, lot of Roy, yeah, shout out Royce the Five Nine, very underrated artist. Uh, and so this was like, kind of the start of that you know kanye had already put out uh fuck late registration and uh college dropout and you know he was on the verge of putting out graduation which really put him on the map uh as far as you know like that really broke him into the mainstream so the fact that you get an old head i call him an old head because he was doing it for longer than you know most chicago rappers they really paved the way like he really paved the way for mm-hmm. you know like chance the rapper and you know vic menza and oh yeah all these other all, all these other cats coming out of chicago and it's like dude don't sleep on those weird fucking states when it comes like the middle of the country like there's some good music going on you know and even you know some weird honky ass uh southern states like alabama that gave us isaiah rashad and you know yeah like it, atlanta you know gave us a bunch of shit missouri gave us tech nine and brother lynch and you know so it's it's a very this is a very good album to listen to to be like in a weird kind of phase where because i remember like my mom was listening to the radio a shit ton back then right and so it was very like jaw rule and you know very pop heavy but it was like no there was this weird movement going on in the mid like the upper midwest of the states of rap music which is very interesting to dive into look at some of those albums and i didn't realize that kanye and common had such a history i mean i was reading something about kanye and him meeting back in 1996 kind of when he used to get produced by someone else kanye would come in the studio and like you know chat it up so you know they knew each other for a while before this album um so that's pretty cool yeah yeah they they, they've been doing music for a long time before this came out yeah like 10 years before this yeah you know yeah i think it was i think it was a smart move to link up link up with him and do like a full album Mm -hmm. um because yeah they like they're both just so gifted and when they collided together like they made probably his best album commons um and yeah dude going back to 
Dave Chappelle, the food. Dave Chappelle, the Chappelle show was fucking badass, dude. I was I was watching uh, a couple weeks ago. I was watching some reruns of his, like just on uh, I think it was on HBO or Netflix. I forget what it moved over some like a while ago. But he had a lot of really cool artists come on the show. Uh, he had uh, Most Def. Yes, that's he a had, great episode. Yeah, he had Most Def. He had Black Star, like both him and Talib Kweli. He had uh, De La Soul. They did a appearance. Erica Badu, Common, Kanye, like really, really cool artists come yeah. on that show. And yeah, when... Um, this aired i think this was also kind of like it was a single so this was a come up and kind of like teasing the album you know like saying like hey this is what a song that we're going to bring up and this is the album that we're dropping and you could still see very much like a young kanye like doing that and he he says something out of pocket like in the episode like on the on the thing, like he says something weird, and Common's like, "What?" Like you could he- you could see it in the episode, and they keep it in. It- it's fucking awesome. Uh, I'd I'd watch it. It's like on YouTube and stuff. It's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, dude, Dave Chappelle, shout out to shout out Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Fucking awesome. Yeah. And I mean, before Matt got back to back to his station over there, uh, you and I were talking <clears throat> about how Chappelle's show. And the Arsenio Hall show were just like very, like really had a hand in putting some of these rap artists over, you know, like the fact that a performance of the food made it to Common's best album. Like they didn't do a studio version on the album. They did that performance. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, back when we uh, back on episode 40, when we did Tribe Day, uh, scenario by a tribe called quest with leaders of the new school that performance on the arsenio hall show is fucking phenomenal so it's like this is this album is really a time is almost a time capsule for the culture of hip-hop you know back then because it was kind of you know it was kind of going away or whatever and it's like no we're still here you know like dave chappelle like the chappelle show is one of the funniest things out right now is like the show and we're having some of the best rappers of all time on it. And, you know, it's, it's, there's really something to be said. So, like, shout out Chappelle Show, shout out Arsenio, all that good shit. Um, let's see what I got. Oh, let me go ahead and plug this sample real quick on Faithful. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, there's a sample on there that's uh, the I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be. Again, Terminator timelines for what you spin in. That's uh, from Good Ass Intro. That got sampled again on Good Ass Intro by Chance the Rapper on Acid Rap. That first track on Ant- on Acid Rap has that I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be. Again, shout out Chicago. Yeah, you know, he was really like. So when I heard that, like I I don't think I had heard that song prior to this, and I was like, wait, what the fuck? And I immediately went to Acid Rap and was like, let me see where the fuck that came from. <laughs> Damn, was, I did. I, I missed that. That's a good catch. Fuck. It, go back and listen to both. Listen to Faithful and then Good Ass Intro. And it's the same sample that I'm gonna be. Another sample, uh, nod back to when we brought up Mar- Marvin Gaye. Um, Love Is uh, that Dilla produced. My, you can hear it. Uh, it's like very faint. Uh, it samples "God Is Love" um, by Marvin Gaye, and all, all you hear is like you hear those little like 
love your brother, love your mother. Like it's that's Marvin Gaye being sampled in the background. It's like very faint, but you can hear it. Um, and then also I wanted to bring up uh, It's Your World. Love that song. It's another Jay Dilla that he produced. Um, fantastic song, fantastic beat. But I love that little like interview that they do of the kids at the end. And some shit that they say is like hilarious. Like some kids, some kid says, I want to be a government. <laughs> and then some other kid just says like, yeah, it's it's. And then some other kid, like in a little kid voice is like, I want to be a duck. <laughs> and like, it's so cute. Like so, stuff like that, when they have like little inter- interviews of, you know, children or something like it, it's so cute. And it kind of lightens up the mood, lightens up the album. Um, and I love that they end with that because it's like, it's kind of powerful the dialogue that he has afterwards at the end too so um yeah i really like that song hell yeah i mean just great all together like you said from b the intro into the corner love that you picked that for the let's get ready kind of portion of the episode uh you know go is one of my favorite tracks off of this that go go it makes me want to just Makes me want to go, dude. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. this, there's just stuff that makes you think, stuff that kind of makes you want to boogie. You know, it's this album really has it all. You know, shout out Common, shout out Ye and J Dilla. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we have any anything else we want to say, or should we do tops? I like the the title of the album, B. I think mm-hmm. his interpretation of what that means is just to do th- do something without even trying, you know, just do it. That's kind of the motto behind that. And I think it's pretty powerful, especially when it comes to music, you know. Who cares what people are going to think? Just do it. Be happy with what you're doing. And if it's something you like, then continue to do it. So, very much great. I didn't even think I didn't even think of it like that. That is a very yeah. good takeaway. The takeaway. The last song too um it talks about like different types of be like and it puts it in different sentences and like perspective the it's your world it it, it puts like be like that's the start of every sentence like be that be, be you be different be you know so yeah the album title is just like you know be yourself like do what you want to do fuck what everyone's trying to you know make you do something like just be yourself do you um and yeah it kind of drives home to that that thought so um yeah i'm glad you guys liked it i had i had to bring this up i'd been looking for this album for the longest time it was super expensive but they did a repress like uh this year i think so that's how i ended up finding it in person but uh yeah if we want to get into the top threes i'll go first um honorable mention I'm gonna go with faithful because I think I think that's important to be faithful um, in like any sense, and you know be you know faithful friend, partner, you know worker, family member, you know in every sense you could put that in. Um, top three, I'm gonna go B. Uh, it's I think it's one of the craziest intros to an album especially rap one of the craziest rap intros i love that um number two i'm gonna go it's your world and then number one they say that beat like just hypnotizes me every time i hear it 
So we were you. we were walking walking around the squid's wedding. Shout out! Hey, first off, let's just go ahead and shout it out. Shout out the squid! Shout out yeah. the islands! Great wedding, Jake and I got to go to. Shout out! Yeah, uh, amazing wedding, super fun, and yeah, fuck yeah. But Jake and I were walking around, and I just kept hearing him say, "They say it." <laughs> like, he just yeah. he's like, "When are they gonna put that song on?" I was like, Dude, just, "I don't think they are." <laughs> but uh, yeah, shout out, shout out. They say I'll go next on that point. Uh, honorable mentions for me, uh, "Faithful" and "The Corner." Uh, love those tracks. Number three for me was "The Food." Uh, Hold up, I fucked this up. No, yeah, number number three for me was The Food. Number two uh, was They Say. And then number one was Go. Nice. My... I think we all have similar picks. Uh, honorable mentions for me is a double. Got The Corner and They Say. Two great tracks. The Corner is the first song that just caught my ear off the album. So going to love that one forever. Number three was Faithful. I thought that was like a, a ballad, if anything, on that album. It was the, the epic ballad of the album. Uh, number two would go, and then my favorite track was Real People. Fuck yeah. Nice. Love Real People. That's a good one, too. Hell yeah, man. Super jazzy. That'd be super jazzy. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah. Well, I think that I think that puts a pin in, uh, you know, wraps it up, puts a big old fat bow on B by Common, released in 2005, which was Jake's pick for this week. Fantastic album, uh, really just a, a Chicago staple. If you're if you're into, you know, some Chicago rap or just hip hop in general, go ahead and listen to this. It, it might change your life. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move on and go back to 2001 in a completely different genre and talk about my pick for this week. It's what you spin in episode 55. All right. Hell yeah. Let's, uh, what do y'all say we wrap this bad boy up? Let's get weird. Let's get Let's get weird. weird. Let's get weird. Let's get weird. Let's get angry. Let's let's wrap this bad boy up. Get a little angry. You know, put some put some spice into the you know inject some spice into the episode with my pick for this week. If there's anything you can rely on, rely on me for is I'm gonna bring up some heavy shit every once in a while. Some heavy angry shit. It's kind yeah. of my shtick. And uh, I think I I think I did a pretty good job this this episode with. Slipknot's second album, the follow-up to this album right behind me, their self-titled debut. Uh, this is the second album, 2001's Iowa by Slipknot. Uh, just as good of an album, if not better, uh, to some people's opinion. Uh, one of my favorites, uh, one of my favorite summer, or one of my favorite albums to play in the summer for some weird reason. I, I think I mentioned this to Matt. A while back, I was like, I don't know why, but when it's summertime, I just want to listen to metal. So that's what I forced y'all to do. I'll leave it at that. But <laughs> uh-huh. what do y'all got to say? Why well, you gotta scare us? It's summertime. Fucking you want to savage, scare us. dude? Yeah. <laughs> I pissed my pants on the intro. I'm like, is this a Willy Wonka meets Satan? What's going on? Yeah. Right now? <laughs> like, let me let me skip through the field of daisies, not stomp through them, dude. Like, <laughs> get fucking mad. 
<laughs> but I've never, you know, you introduced me to Slipknot when we when we debuted that album. Um, and this was a great follow-up, you know. I like this one better. Uh, a little catchier for me. Um, I don't know. It's got a it's got a very raw feel. I think you can feel that in the performance too, based on what they were going through, whether it be in the studio or in like their personal lives. You can you can feel a lot of that. And I just don't think they're very happy. Um, not to say that that's a bad thing when it comes to making music, because this album is killer. But I think a lot of that energy it comes through. It seeps through. Um, and it's an amazing, amazing follow up to a to, to coming out with your first album and, you know, laying the groundwork. It's like, how do you follow that up? And they do it with Iowa. Yeah. Very much so. But go ahead, Jake. Uh, I was just going to say, damn, this 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 album feels aggressive. <laughs> it feels aggressive and it's like uh, very in your face. But I think that's what they were going for. Um, I was kind of reading up on it and they it kind of seemed like they were trying to like cope with the success that they got from their self-titled and they didn't know how. So they just kind of hated what was going on. And yeah, you could feel that in the music. Like it's a lot more raw, a lot heavier. Uh, Corey Taylor, his vocals like fucking talk about that's what amazed me the most like this guy like their singer like for him to be able to like you know like scream and like do that like a, like for a whole song for a whole like six seven minutes it's crazy um like i do it jokingly and like that one time that we did karaoke i like jokingly was trying to do screamo for parts of the song and it hurt, dude. Like, it sucks. And having to do that for, like, five, six minutes on, like, however many tracks this, this album has, like, that shit's fucking wild. That's nuts. And that's that's what I look up to that. I'm like, damn, that's, that's crazy that Corey Taylor was able to do that. Like, it's fucking insane. And hats off to that, because that in itself is, is crazy. But, um, yeah, definitely very heavy, very... Um, like when I'm listening to this, it just makes me want to like just punch a hole in the drywall or something. Like it's it's fucking crazy. Is this the first album that has Jim Root as guitar, like full guitar player? Because I yeah, know he was on so, the first, like the couple tracks, right? So, yeah. So, like so Jim Root uh, got pulled over, like when uh, when they recruited Corey Taylor to join Slipknot uh, before the debut came out he had already started his other band stone sour which had jim root as the guitarist and he's like if i'm coming over you got to bring my boy jim but they had already done like all of the writing process except for mm -hmm. uh purity off of the self-titled album okay. and so that's the only songwriting credit that jim root got on that album so yeah yes ah, this is gotcha. the first full album with jim root on it um and so after they toured aggressively for this album, because again, as you said, they didn't like Slipknot just started, you know, they weren't expecting to be, you know, if you look at it now from a 2023 perspective, they didn't expect to be one of the biggest metal bands in the world ever. They were like, no, that's not a thing. And they definitely didn't expect the, expect the success that they had so early on. Uh, and so once like the touring rack wrapped up, 
Joey Jordison and Paul Gray, RIP to both of them, the only two members of the band that have actually passed away, went back to Iowa and went to the studio and started writing for Iowa while everybody else was just taking a break. So Joey and Paul, shout out Paul Gray, left-handed bass player. That's kind of what I was alluding to earlier. Yeah, Paul Gray, the bassist for Slipknot, played left-hando. They didn't take a break. They just went to the studio and started writing for this album. And so that, the fact that everyone else took a break, kind of chapped their asses about it. Mm-hmm. And then they all come back and there's like drug addictions going on. Corey Taylor was a huge alcoholic at the time. Uh, everyone, like this almost like, it's not explicitly said, but essentially this album almost broke the band up, you know, the the process for it because they hated it. Like it was a lot of sex, drugs and rock and roll. They weren't expecting that. Uh, they really just did not have a good time making it, but Joey Jordison was quoted as saying, uh, as much as we love the self-titled album, this was the album we really wanted to make, you know, and they titled it Iowa because that's where they're from. They're from Des Moines, Iowa, and that's where the band still to this day draws a lot of their inspiration from is growing up in some weird fucking corn fucker state, you know, (laughs) like. They're just like, yeah, some weird, obscure state that not a lot of music comes out of. That's where we get a lot of our inspiration and angst and anger. There's a lot of a lot of drug problems there and, and what have you. So, yeah. Damn. Great album, though. Yeah. The, they You could tell they draw from that a lot because um, they're not only their lyrics and stuff, but just their playing and, like, their vocal style from Corey Taylor. It's a lot more heavy a lot heavier like a lot more hardcore um because the first album like i feel like they were listening to this comparing both like the first album kind of feels like they were trying to sugarcoat metal um but it was still very much them but then this is a lot more hardcore a lot more a lot more raw um when they're doing it yeah there's there's things i like it's hard for me like if you were to ask me week to week what my favorite Slipknot album is, it would alternate between these two, you know, the the self-titled and Iowa, because I like them for different reasons. You know, there's some of my favorite, you know, like Eyeless off of the self-titled is one of my favorite songs, but also I love Disaster Piece and Everything Ends off of this album. And, you know, it has a much more like polished kind of production sound to it shout out ross robinson once again for for producing one of the craziest bands to to try and produce slipknot is such an insane task and he actually had a dirt bike accident and like basically broke his back spent one day in the hospital and then went back to the studio and used his like physical pain to produce this album so there's a very like painful ross robinson producing this album and that's very uh prominent throughout you know there's that angst of everything of like they wrote people equal shit to basically tell everyone like hey fuck off we didn't want to be famous but we are so eat my dick basically is is what people equal shit is all about damn also just because i want to plug it in here i want to put a picture of it up this is my favorite era of the masks for Slipknot, specifically Corey Taylor. 
because it's just it looks like a leather face kind of thing like it's just very loose and like just sewn together but it has just four big ass green dreadlocks coming out of it i'll put a picture of it here but god damn dude they were looking gnarly back in the day in comparison yeah. to what they are now um but yeah, man, this this album uh, also, you know, I'll be the I'll always be the one to, you know, point out some instrumentation shit. Uh, this album popularized uh, blast beats in the mainstream, like very like Joey Jordison on this album made the blast beat style of playing uh, kind of mainstream because this album exploded. Like if if they thought that they got popular off the self-titled album, they didn't they didn't know what the fuck Iowa was Iowa was gonna be, and it turned out to be even better, you know. And so Joey Jordison was just playing blast beats, and other than like underground metal scenes, that was unheard of in the mainstream. So very influential. Another. Uh... Because when I like listen to our albums, I try to look up like live shows, um, just like to see either if in the era, like when they made the album, or later on if they perform a song on the album, I'll try to look it up. And they did a fucking Conan O'Brien uh, appearance in two thousand, like two thousand one, on Conan O'Brien's late night show. They played Heretic Anthem on live tv yeah what the fuck yeah 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 conan when, conan what dude though he knows what he's getting into yeah, what he's himself he plays guitar he knows probably loves that man <laughs> what the f- and like it like it's so crazy the the show because like they're just like headbanging and fucking going nuts uh, and it's just like he's like screaming into the mic like at one point it zooms into i don't know the band the band members but it's the dude with like the long ass ma- long ass nose. Um, Chris Yeah. Yeah. It zooms into him and he's like looking into the camera and he's like jacking off his nose. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like fucking nuts, dude. Like you like when have you seen that and when will you ever see that again? Like in yeah. in mainstream media, like in live TV, a metal band, like just performing like the craziest fucking song they have like Caretake Anthem it like it talks about like some demonic shit <laughs> like it's fucking nuts fucking crazy dude I love uh I thought that was badass the intro speaking of Heretic Anthem I love the intro for it uh Craig Jones their sampler uh plays a sample and it's uh, a countdown a countdown from 10 and it stops on 6 and it's like 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 6, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And then the song kicks in. And then the chorus is, of course, if you're 555, five, five, then I'm 666. Six, six. Like, mm-hmm. just a huge, just the power in that song is so incredible. Uh, you know, everyone is just getting it. There's, uh, while there was some really good, you know, DJ scratching work from Sid Wilson on the self titled. This one has it even more, you know, people equals shit has that like his, his scratching more, like he's an underrated, he's an underrated DJ. I've, I think they took it off of YouTube, but back when I first got into this band, they, uh, there was like a solo, just DJ set of their DJ just doing like 
actual scratching and shit. And he's he's fucking phenomenal. The, the, the dude gets down. Uh, and he's also, like, the craziest one out of them. Like, he's broken multiple ankles by, like, popping up onto drum risers and shit. Like, oh, shit. still, as I said last time we did our, you know, Q&A, I would have loved to catch these guys in this era. Like, if I could take a time machine and go to when they were touring this album, I would easily go do that, you know? Uh, They put out a live DVD of one of the tour dates, or maybe it was multiple, and they just, like, smushed them together, but it's called Disaster Pieces. I have yet to see it. It's something that I want to get my hands on, but this was, like, this was... Slipknot at its finest, in my opinion. I kind of mentioned this to Matt a couple weeks ago, but after this, they kind of went more commercial. You know, they still had some of that, you know, aggression in, like, the metal aspect, but they were very much more, you know, commercialized and everything. And so this is, like, the rawest form of Slipknot that you're ever going to get is on this album. Is it? Because I don't listen to Slipknot except when you've brought it up and like every now and then when it'll come on like on my gym playlist and stuff um is there any other albums i should listen to from slipknot or are these two just are earlier stuff like yeah so so in my in my personal opinion i've listened to everything that they've ever put out uh i say the first four albums are decent there is a huge leap or like not i guess huge it's not that aggressive but you can tell from this album iowa to volume three the subliminal verses which was the follow-up to this there's kind of you can tell they were getting a little bit more commercialized and so there's a little bit more radio friendly stuff and then after that they put out all hope is gone which was the last album to have both paul gray and joey jordison on uh and that one is definitely more like they managed to get mainstream and radio friendly, but still kind of keep the juice going. So it's definitely it's no Iowa, no self-titled. But yeah, I would say listen to their four, their first four, the self-titled Iowa Volume Three, and All Hope Is Gone. Just listen to those those first four. Anything after that, there's like select tracks that are good. You know what I'm that are like replay yeah. in my opinion. They're still they're still killing it. Like I still watch live clips of them playing the Yeah, old- they're still they're still touring, right? And everything. Yeah, they're still touring. Uh Max Weinberg, the old drummer for Bruce Springsteen, his son is actually their new drummer, Jay Weinberg. So some weird shit like that. But um yeah, I would say just listen to the first the first four albums that they put out and then after that, don't bother listening to a full album. They're still great, they still kill it. It's just they've kind of they've kind of strayed away from what they used to be. But yeah, those first four albums are are phenomenal in my opinion. Yeah, you recommended a couple tracks off Volume Three to me that I loved. Was it Three Nil and The Blister ex- exists? Yeah. Yeah, The Blister exists. I used to when I was in playing percussion in band, I would do that. There's a really sick uh, like marching snare little interlude, and I used yes. to do that all the time. Uh, but yeah, they dude slipknot they're just such a unique band they're so unique you know nine members being that aggressive and you know just their live show as i've shown you guys that clip uh from the last time you know we covered slipknot they're just they're phenomenal but shall we do top threes 
Let's dive. Let's, Let's do dive. All righty. For me, honorable mentions are The Shape and Metabolic. Um, there's actually, I wanted to highlight one lyric. You know, it's very rare when I bring up a metal pick that we get to highlight some lyrics. So I figured I would do that. Uh, there's a lyric on Metabolic where he says, where were you when I was down? Can you show me a way to face every day with this face? Which I was like, damn. All right, dude. That's fucking, that's pretty deep. Uh, so yeah, Metabolic and The Shape are my honorable mentions. Number three for me, The Heretic Anthem. Number two, Everything Ends. And the number one, Disaster Piece. That breakdown that happens, at it's literally four minutes in. I recommend you go back and listen to it. Just go literally four minutes in. It does this weird little breakdown, and there's this fucking... Joey just does this hi-hat hit into this massive breakdown, and it's just so fucking nasty. But yeah, those are my top three. Nice. I'll go next. Uh, Audible mentioned for me uh, the title track, Iowa Man. Talk about even creepier than the intro. Uh, really like that one. Number three, Disaster Piece. Number two, Everything Ends. And then my favorite track was Gently. Nice. That's in my top three, Gently. Um, you mentioned, sorry, real quick, you mentioned Iowa, right? Mm-hmm. There's one thing I wanted to bring up from that, and I forgot, so I'll go ahead and just do one last little thing. So I screenshotted this. To For Him magazine, Taylor revealed that he put himself in specific situations to achieve his performance on the album. While recording vocals for the final song, Iowa, he was completely naked, vomiting all over himself, and cutting himself with broken glass. Quote, that's where the best stuff comes from. You've got to break yourself down before you can build something great. And then they go on to mention the Ross Robinson bike accident. So that's, yeah, that's where his vocals. That's intense, man. That makes me like that song even more. That's raw emotion. Right? (laughs) That's fucking nuts. (laughs) Damn. Thanks for adding that. That's crazy, dude. That's great. Yeah, Yeah, that's, that's fucking badass, dude. Holy fuck. Right? What you got, Jake? What's your top threes? Uh, yeah, honorable mention, The Shape. I also like that song. Um, top three, I'm going to go Disaster Piece. Um, Gently, I like that song too. It's kind of weird to say that it sounds like the calmer song, like a calmer song for them, but it's still fucking nuts. Um, and then Skin Ticket. I, I like Skin Ticket a lot. So... Okay. Skin tickets, great. Great fucking picks. Great picks from all of us. Uh, Great top threes across the board. Great albums across the board. But, um, yeah, thank you guys for at least, you know, tolerating this album. I know it's a little bit hard to uh, wrap your your head around if you're not super into that. But, again, I appreciate it. But uh, why don't we show the people what we're bringing up next week? Let's do it. Yes. Fuck yeah. All right. Well, it's that time of every episode of What You Spin In, and it's no different. Even 55 episodes in. We're going to go ahead and introduce what we're going to bring up next episode. And as per usual, we go in the order that we spoke today, which means, Matt, you're up to the plate. 
Sweet. Um, bringing up an artist I brought up once before on one of my first podcasts with you guys. Um, I think you all know who my favorite hip-hop artist is, uh, Saul Williams. This is an album produced by Trent Reznor called The Inevitable Rise and Liberation of Niggy Tardust. Great samples on here from Public Enemy. Um, and then you got Trent in the background doing his thing. Hope you guys like this one. Let's fucking go. I love Saul. And yeah. Trent, dude. This is this isn't the this is their second time collaborating, right? They toured together a little bit after his first album came out, and then after that they did this one together. Or there's his second oh. album, a self-titled album. They kind of toured. He he opened up for Nine Inch Nails on that tour, um, and then they got together on the tour bus and started doing things for this album. Oh, okay, okay. For some reason, I thought that Trent produced uh, the self-titled Saul album, but no, it's okay. self-produced. Yeah, got it. Okay, that's what it was. Anyways, Jake, what you got? Yeah, um, artist we haven't brought up yet, a duo. A DJ duo. Daft Punk. Discover. Let's fucking go. Let's go. Let's go, dude. It's about time. It's about time. And you know what? You brought up an artist we haven't talked about, but one we needed to bring up. Matt, you're revisiting an artist. And I'm about to put a bow on an artist discography. It's not the last time he'll be mentioned because of some things we've got in the works. But I'm bringing up The Unseen by Quasimodo. Oh, shit. The, de- the debut Quasimodo album. We've done Yes, Sir, Whatever. We've done Further Adventures of Lord Quas. We've done The Unseen. And next episode, two weeks from now, y'all, come over to my place. We're going to have Gavin on the episode because he's a huge Quas fan as well. Yeah. And cool. we'll fucking put a bow on the Quasimodo trilogy even though I know for sure it'll get brought up again at some point. But as far as strict Quaz projects, I'm happy that I've been able to bring up all three and that I own all three. So the unseen Quasimodo. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Great Hell yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Let me just. Jake's always bringing the ones I've never listened to. I know. I love it. Very. That album is so good, Matt. I gotta bring him up. Mm-hmm. I like Hell yeah. Well, Jake, Matt, thank you once again for always wanting to be a part of this. Hell Let's yeah. go ahead and reconvene in about two weeks. I'm Dorian as again. That's Matt. That's Jake. We'll catch you next time for What You Spinning. This has been episode 55 of What You Spinning. Peace. <laughs>